Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher, and we are also joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. And I speak for all of us. We are ready for some hockey. Uh, it feels like it's been a month, but really, when the Flyers play on Thursday against the Rangers, it'll be their first game in 11 days. But because of the COVID-19 shutdown, we are so uh, – I think we're so used to hockey every single day, especially with the Flyers. Uh, so when they're shut down for six, seven days, it feels like a lot longer. But we will have hockey on Thursday, and the Flyers will look uh, a lot, lot different. They will be severely shorthanded. Let's just list them off. The players that the Flyers will be without when they play the Rangers on Thursday night. Uh, Oscar Limbaum, Claude Drew, Jacob Borchek, Scott Lawton, uh, Justin Braun, and I feel like I'm even missing one. Travis Konechny. There we go. The all-star from last season. So the Flyers will be without six regulars. Uh, Taryn, I want to start with you. Do you feel like the NHL is doing the Flyers dirty here by making them play this game, or should they be playing this game? I think they need to play this game. I, I do think they need to for the sake of the Tahoe game a little bit. Obviously, we know that's a big thing for the NHL. Uh, you know, Joe knows we talked to Brian Boucher. That interview will be airing coming up. And he's talked about just how much the NHL has poured into the setup for that game and making sure that TV-wise, because they can never really do it this way again, the camera angles, the set, like they were able to really customize this setup from scratch. To, to optimize the TV experience of watching this game in a beautiful scenic place. The reality of the situation is, and we didn't even realize that this until after we were having the conversation with Bush the other day. I, I've been to Tahoe a few times. I skied there growing up. The altitude, just even at like ground, the ground level is where I used to stay was like 5,900 feet. And I Googled the altitude of the golf course and I don't know the actual longitude and latitude, so I could be absolutely wrong with, but the, the altitude of the Lake Tahoe golf course is 6,200 plus feet. You're talking a shortened bench potentially with whatever guys are dealing with players who have not been able to truly practice in a week plus. And all of a sudden they're not just playing, they're playing at altitude outside against Boston. Uh, they, they need to get – they need this game to get their legs under them. As long as it's safe for everybody involved in playing the game, I think as many players as they can to get out there back at game speed, they do 
need. And Bush was saying like those nine, 10 day layoffs, like they're, they're not really easy for some players to cope with. Some of them have a hard time. So, so I don't want to spoil the Bush interview for everybody. Jeff, I'm so sorry, Joe. We like said this whole interview, but um, no, like even he was saying, I was saying, when you go out there, make sure you like pile on the sunscreen because you're so close to the sun that you like, you just get burnt. And if you're one of those people who's prone to headaches or to nosebleeds or to all those things, like these are, these are things that you don't uh, necessarily think about because there's so many other issues in the world right now. But if the world, if everything else was normal and we were talking about this game, I think storyline number one right now would be how will these players acclimate? Um, unless I'm totally wrong about what altitude this, this, uh, this game is being played at. I think it's going to be a bigger factor than people think. And, you know, the avalanche will be accustomed to it to a certain sense, but they need, they need this game to get their legs under them for sure. Yeah. I, I don't really have any gripes with it. It's just, it is what it is. This is the nature of this season. Uh, nothing is going to be perfect. It's going to be weird. It's going to have, you know, stops and starts and um, just the uniqueness of it is just, we already knew that going into this season. So the Flyers need to deal with it. It's, it's tough, but um, I think like Taryn, like you said, you got to get a game in before Lake Tahoe. I think that was the NHL's plan all along when they were postponing some of the Flyers games and they were looking at when they can return to practice. Uh, they were mapping it out for Tahoe. It was all about Lake Tahoe and that outdoor game and how the Flyers can be best situated uh, going into that. The NHL allowed them a couple of practices. Um, they'll, they'll now have a game before it and then probably one more practice. And, uh, hey, get outdoors and play. So – just confirming, the Edgewood Tahoe Resort is at 6,200 feet. So that yeah. is the golf course they are playing on. That's over a mile in the sky, right? That's over a mile. I, you know what? I'm not going to leave up to you. How, how many feet a mile is, but <laughs> that's high. It's high in the air, and you run out of air. Trust me. I'm, you can be cruising down the mountain skiing, and you're still like, <gasps> I can't yeah. imagine. Can't so, imagine. Sorry, ignore me. No, you're good. I'm glad you confirmed that. So, yes, I don't – you know, I think the NHL is saying, hey, tough luck. Uh, you guys have taxi squad guys. You have a minor league system. Call up some prospects, get them in there, and make the best of it on Thursday and uh, do what you have to do on Sunday. So, I don't really have any gripes with it. Play, play the games if it's safe and uh, put the guys out there that you have to put out there. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, Jordan, I don't know if it's tough luck as much as it's just this is what everyone's dealing with. If you look at the four teams that are going to Tahoe, you've had two teams that their team were act was actually affected by COVID, Colorado and the Flyers. And then you had other teams, the, the two other teams, Vegas and Boston, have both been affected by opponents of theirs at some point this season not being able to play games. So they both, ex both experience layoffs. And let's also remember, too, I, the Flyers got to play a some, somewhat skeleton crew in the Devils earlier this year. So it's not as if, you know, they haven't reaped the rewards, let's say, of, you know, every team not always being able to be at full strength throughout the season. So it's just the ebbs and flows of this season are different than any other season. And that's the way they're going to be. Um you know, it, and when they were in the bubble in the playoffs, that didn't happen because they had a bubble. So, you know, I, I think this is expected. And I think if you listen to, to Elaine Vigneault and some of the players talk, this, this, none of this seems like it's a surprise. Um, I, I, I listened to Kevin Hayes in particular earlier this week. 
he, he's like, we, we're hockey players. Hockey's our life and our jobs to play hockey. Now that's been interrupted a couple of times, but you know, at the end of the day, that's still what we do and we have to go do it. It's our job. And, you know, I, I don't get the sense that anybody is um, taken back by the events of the last week and a half or so. Yeah. And if you look back, uh, this is obviously, you know, it's a crazy situation. The Flyers, um, they were shut down for seven days because of COVID protocols. They have, Seven players right now entering uh, today, entering Thursday, or excuse me, entering Wednesday. They had seven players on COVID protocol. They've had player uh, players test positive. Um, I know it's a much different situation than a regular break uh, compared to last season. But if you look back at the All-Star break and the bye week that was paired with it last year, the Flyers were off for about eight days. They practiced one day and then played the next day. So, you know, obviously I'm sure they were able to do more things uh, during the All-Star break, whether it be taking an actual break or working out and stuff. So I'm sure they had more at their, at their hands to do. But uh, at the end of the day, yeah, they had a, a, a lengthier break, practice one day, and then we're right back at it. So, you know, this is very similar, I think, to that. Um, and, yeah, make the best of it. Taryn, um, are you expecting Russ? Are you expecting to see some guys not look like they're in sync uh, chemistry issues off is that is that what you're expecting is that kind of par for the course with this I think the the word of the day in terms of expectations tomorrow will probably be disjointedness I think you know we've seen a lot of the D pairs shuffled up Myers and Sandheim were both practicing today but they weren't paired up um I, I think obviously Justin Braun's absence has to do with some of that but uh you know, they were still trying to figure things out before this happened. I mean, that Capitals game was wild, and there were flashes of good, but there was plenty of disjointedness even then, and that game felt like a step in the right direction. If you looked at the lines of today's practice, um, that, it, that they looked nothing like that game. Uh, and, you know, when, when we were listing off the players who are unavailable for Thursday – the, the biggest ones to me was number one, Scott Lawton, because he has been f phenomenal and kind of like a Mr. Fix-It for this team at times. And number two was Jake Voracek. He's had some really big games already where he's created. Um, I know it really sucks for G with the Ironman streak. I mean, that's such a bummer. I know JVR said today that they're hoping that in some way, shape, or form, they won't hold this against him because it's not like he was scratched or even, you know like, – <laughs> I don't know, it, it, like he doesn't even have a choice in this situation, but that sucks. That being said, uh, the, the absence of Scott Lawton, I think is going to be pretty, pretty noticeable. Um, and and Jake, the Jake Voracek absence as well, even the Justin Braun, because yeah. this defense has been scrambled and re-scrambled and, you know, tossed about and, you know, restacked over and over again be nice to see I know it I mean I remember talking to Mike Yoke before the first game of the season and he was like we would love to have established roles we would love to have guys in established D pairs of established roles we have not seen that for any amount of consecutive games with this team so far so yeah disjointedness is is what I am expecting tomorrow Jordan and interesting it's interesting Taryn too you mentioned they'll be without Lawton and in a time like this where where your lineup is limited Lawton is like the last guy you want to, because he can play up and down the lineup. He can play with anyone. He can play center. He can play wing. You don't have that many players that are that movable 
And to have a guy like that out of the lineup, it really upsets the apple cart in terms of the lineup because you don't have that guy who you can just plug and play anywhere up and down, you know, your four lines. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. So, yeah, there will be some new faces in the Flyers lineup. Guys like Andy Andriol, Maxim Sushka will make his NHL debut. Samuel Moran will get his second game with the Flyers. Uh, you're going to see some guys that were maybe typically in your bottom six will be in your top six. Um, so, yeah, the Flyers are going to be – I think there a lot of them, I think – I think all hockey players and coaches, coaches and everyone, they're very competitive. Like, it doesn't matter who they have. They really do believe in that next man up mentality. Like, they're going to go out there and try to win that game. And the, Rangers, the Rangers aren't really playing particularly well either. So the Flyers, I think, are going to go into that thoroughly, genuinely believing they can win that game. But obviously the odds are a little against them, given their lineup situation. But, Joe, do you feel like the Flyers might look at this as, hey, let's just use this as a tune-up. Uh, it's one game. It's still early in the season. We're coming off a pretty difficult situation. Let's make sure we leave this game feeling well about ourselves, conditioned, uh, healthy, and let's gear up for Tahoe. Well, I mean, there's no, there's no saying that a tune-up can't also be a win because, like you mentioned, the Rangers aren't playing well. And you look at – yeah, obviously you have to worry about Panarin and you have to worry about Zibanejad. Those guys are having good seasons. But if you look at the rest of their lineup, they're not getting a ton of production from other guys that maybe you would expect. I mean, obviously he was the number one pick, but Lafreniere has one point in, on the season, I believe. So it's not like they're getting a lot of depth. They're, it's pretty much Panarin, Zabanajad, and then way down the list. Um, there's a couple of their defensemen. Adam Fox, in particular, is having a really good season. But, you know, their goaltending has been up and down. Um, I know they, they have big expectations for Igor Shosturkin, but, you know, he, he's been very up and down this year. He's looked great some games. Other games, you know, put a shot on net and has a chance to go in. So, uh, you know, there's no sense saying that they can't go in there with approach, the approach that we're going to tune up and we're also trying to win this game. Because I think they're, it, it's not like they're going out and they're playing the Capitals or they're playing, you know, they're, they're not playing one of the top teams right out of the gate. So I, I think that will benefit the Flyers. But you can't just show up and think you're, you know, going to win either because the, the Rangers are – Nobody's a pushover, as we've seen with, you know, teams like Ottawa against Montreal and Toronto in the last two weeks. You can't just assume you're going to beat anybody by showing up. But, you know, I, I think they can absolutely tune up and try to win at the same time. Yeah, and a player I forgot to mention was David Kasha. He had a cup of coffee with the Flyers last year. Young kid. He'll be in the lineup as well. He's even, I think, going to play on the power play. That tells you how short-handed the Flyers are. So good for David Kasha. I love You're, David Kasha, though. Yeah, he's a good kid. You know, I, I, hate, I hate to say this, but I hate that we have to see him right now because that obviously means things have not gone according to plan. But 
You know, between David Kasha and Sam Moran, if the two of them had, like, a big game and the Flyers come out with a couple of points, I think everybody feels a little bit better about having to play 11 days after a big COVID outbreak when that's not been the case around the league for other teams. Most other teams, I think, have had, like, a minimum of 14. But if you can get through and get two points and get some some feel-good out of the night, um, maybe best-case scenario for what we currently are – Facing? I was going to say, for all the people uh, that are saying they shouldn't play the game, they go in there and get two points and get a win tomorrow. None of those people will be thinking that by night's end tomorrow. So I think we should just realize that this is a season unlike any other. um, And you want to see them get out there and play because what, what would be the better option? Just have them show up at Lake Tahoe having not played in two weeks and then look awful and add in the altitude issue that could arise as well. I mean, there could be some sloppy hockey anyway, and I don't think you'd want to see a team that hasn't played in two weeks, and the league definitely doesn't want to see that. So, you know, I think think they need to get this game in tomorrow. Like, Joe, Jordan, honestly, if if you think if the league – and I'm not saying this is what happened because I very much doubt this is what happened – but genuinely, do you think if the league went to Elaine Vigneault and Chuck Fletcher and said, here's the deal, we can let you play shorthanded on Thursday with a handful of the guys that will play Sunday, potentially all of them. I don't, I don't exactly know where everybody stands in terms of COVID return and how much information has been given out thus far on like who's coming back when still. But you can get, you can get a bunch of these guys on the ice on Thursday and get them back playing at game speed before you go out to Tahoe and play on Sunday, or you can wait till Sunday. What do you honestly think Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vino are saying to that? Because my, and this is a massive assumption, and I know people, you know what everyone says about assumptions. I, knowing Elaine Vino, if, if given that choice, I think he says, as long as we're not putting anybody's health and safety at risk, I think it is worth it to get some of these guys back on the ice on Thursday. I I genuinely do think that. And it's, I mean, you're talking about potentially putting the Flyers out against a team that has been their Achilles heel so far in this young season on national television in a big touted event for NBC. Like as much as it's just a regular season game, I think for the players, you also, you're, you're aware of when, everyone is watching you and they, they would like to play as well as they possibly can. And I think that's that it's a, it's a weird year. Everything sucks. We all get it. Like everything sucks. Everything sucks. It sucks. Like that's just what it is. But you know, maybe this like, you don't know where everyone stands on this compromise. You, you really don't like, you can't just assume that Elaine Vino and Chuck Fletcher and the players for that matter, don't want to play this game because yeah, I would. I, I, I think they genuinely do. I think they know the yeah. situation does suck. Like Elaine Vigneault, you could definitely hear him. He was um, honest and said, hey, you know, thought we would have another practice on Monday. That didn't happen. And he's like, we didn't have a full practice on Tuesday. We only have one full practice before a game. But then he ends it with, it is what it is. Like, I think, yeah, he knows this isn't fun or fair and he would like more preparation time. He's a preparation guy. But, hey, this is like, it's. It's COVID nineteen. This is twenty twenty one. Like you got to make the best of it. And yeah, at the and end they of can't the day, slide that game. They can't postpone no. that Tahoe game. They can't. It's not no. that simple. Like it's just, it's not. So 
it's kind of, I think everyone realized, and I think the NHL knew this when they booked that game and, and locked that event in was that you have to potentially be ready for one of these four teams to have an issue and how do you address it? And everybody's trying their best and this is everybody trying their best. So hopefully the flyers go out tomorrow and they try their best and they get two points and then we can all not have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And Jordan, Jordan too. I, I think if you listen to Chuck Fletcher, when he talked earlier this week, if he was that unhappy with the situation, I don't think he would have been as open as he was. I, I found him to be pretty open this week when he talked about, you know, the week that was for the Flyers and how they had the, 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 all the protocols and, the, and everything they had to go through to get themselves back to being ready to be on the ice. And I, I found him to be open about that. And I, if, if he was unhappy, I don't think he would have gotten that. No, and I think deep down the team was – very, very concerned that they could have had an outbreak much, much worse. We don't know how many players tested positive, but we do know they've had, I think, four or five straight days now of seven guys on COVID protocol. And Chuck Fletcher mentioned it. He said when it happened, um, it's definitely a hold-your-breath moment where you're hoping this virus is not spreading through your team. And I think they deep down feel fortunate that it was only seven days. Elaine Vigneault even mentioned he wasn't sure. He thought it could have been two weeks. Uh, they thought it could have been 14 days of a shutdown. It's only seven. They're not going to miss Lake Tahoe, um, and they're going to make up the game. So, yeah, Joe, I think you're right. I think the overall sentiment was, hey, we're fortunate. We're happy it wasn't worse. We're happy our players are hopefully getting healthier, and uh, we're able to come back, play hockey, and go with the guys that we got. And, Taryn, I wanted, I wanted to say this. The reason I think the Flyers actually have a fighting chance in this game on Thursday is, they do have Carter Hart in net. They're fortunate that their goalies have stayed healthy. And I think when you have a guy like Carter in net, it doesn't matter who's in front of them. Maybe, maybe they win a one nothing game or a 2-1 game. Because I think that guy's going to keep them in the game no matter what. Um, are you confident knowing that Carter Hart's back there? Uh, yeah. You know, I think we've seen Carter get better as the season goes on. People, um, I think – rightfully so because he's very young and he's done very well so early in his career are like very defensive of Carter Hart, but it's very fair to say that like technically speaking, he didn't get off to the strongest start of the season and he didn't really get a lot of help from the guys in front of him. But I think as the season has gone on, um, he's certainly uh, like he's, he's, his form has started to look more like what we're used to seeing out of him. I think, um, you know, there were a few games where there were like big rebounds that were a little bit uncharacteristic of him, stuff like that, where you're like, oh, this isn't, but it's also been a wonky year. So, you know, who am I to judge? But no, I think, I think that's, it's so different to think about this Flyers team like two years ago when you're entering these games where like, it seems like the world is against you and your goaltender situation isn't great versus now when you've got two really good goaltenders and you feel like you could be in any game, even if you're down a pair of goals because of your goaltender, like because your goaltender can let, you know, there's been games where Carter's let up an early goal or an early two goals and shut them out the last two periods of the game. And the Flyers have been held in the game because of that second and third period performance. So that's going to be huge for this team, especially if they are a little bit disjointed offensively. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, Carter, we interviewed him the other day too. And he's just like, it's so weird. He's like none too bothered by it all. You know, he's just, just seems like he was bored if anything, but he's not like overly stressed out about it. I think he's just ready to play some hockey again. And luckily for the Flyers, Justin Braun is their only defenseman who's 
currently unavailable because I think it helps at least now that you have, you know, Provy, Myers, Sanheim, Haig, you know, the rest of the crew back there to protect you. You're familiar with them and the way they're going to play. Whereas, you know, if you're missing half your forwards and half your defensemen, you're in a bit of a different situation. So, yeah, yeah I think Carter keeps him in it. And, uh, you know, he's, he doesn't seem like he's overly freaked out. And he's also not overly freaked out about Sunday's game, which is huge for when it comes to tomorrow's game. Because if you're worried about getting in tune for Sunday, you, you kind of lose track of where you're at, which is not characteristic of Carter at all. But um, yeah, Joe knows. He was there. He's like – yeah, I'm going to go stand between the pipes and try to stop pucks, and that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'm just looking here at the Rangers' recent schedule, too. They've lost four straight. In those games, they've been shut out twice. So this is a team that can be shut down. So if you play well in net, who knows? I mean, two of those shutouts – or one of the shutouts came against the Bruins. The other one was against the Islanders. Their last loss came against the Devils. So they're – they are – struggling right now and they haven't scored more than two goals in a game since February 4th so this is a team that maybe the Flyers are catching them at the right time with the need to get a game under their belt maybe they're catching a team at the right time here who you know they basically have uh, one line clicking on all cylinders if you would even call it that because I think maybe I overinflated Mika Zibanejad season earlier when I was uh, talking, um, Panarin is basically carrying this team by himself when you look at the stats. Yeah, he became a hard trophy finalist last year simply because he seriously carried that team. <laughs> he was just yeah. incredible, and he's an incredible player. Um, and uh, it's funny, like, I, I keep thinking of Lake Tahoe because I think of the magnitude of that game in terms of it being a spectacle. It's outdoors, it's cool, it's fun, um, it's on national TV, everyone's watching. But you forget almost um, the magnitude of the game in terms of the standings. The Flyers um, have, have had all types of problems with, with the Bruins. They, Boston took the first four games of that eight-game matchup this season. And I think the Flyers really want to go in there and try to steady the ship a little bit against this team and show, hey, we can play with Boston. Um, I wanted to ask you, and Taryn, I'll start with you. Looking at the standings now, I know the Islanders are playing better. We all know about the Capitals and the Penguins. But – uh, are the Bruins probably the biggest team in the Flyers' way right now in this realigned East Division? Taryn, what do you think? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I know, like if, I know it feels like forever ago and we only got to see one game of the series against the Capitals. I do weirdly think that game against the Capitals where the Flyers were able to put up a massive number of goals helps. Because um, it seems like this team has had some um, – like mental blocks this year in terms of like sloppiness or effort at times, whatever. And it seems like the Bruins as a team are a bit of a mental block for the Flyers. And so being able to beat the Capitals, being able to put up a ton of goals against the Capitals, I do think helps this Flyers team um, in some odd way. I just have that feeling about it. Um, But yeah, like uh, here's the thing as well. Flyers and, uh, or excuse me, like the Flyers have not really gotten to see Boston with like Sean Couturier playing like Sean Couturier, you know, and that's a huge, huge game changer against the Bruins because he doesn't, Scott Hartnell will talk to me about this all the time. It's when you have Sean Couturier and he basically neutralizes Patrice Bergeron, it makes it a lot easier. It doesn't make it easy, but it makes it easier to deal with Pasternak and Marchand. Like it, it just does. 
versus when you're when you're trying to deal with Bergeron, you know, dangling all over the place as well as pasta and Marjan. So I would love I can't wait to see how that changes the look of the game because um, you know, I know we said the the last Flyers lost to the Bruins, I believe. Um, like that top line got a goal, but it wasn't one of those like pretty top line goals. That being said, a goal is still a goal. And, and you wonder even if Couturier is in there, how all the sequences that led to it look different. And then that goal doesn't happen, whether it's pretty or not. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how this team looks with Sean Couturier back in there, because I think, you know, G is huge. Jake is huge. As we mentioned, Scott Lawton is huge. But in terms of being able to change the way a game looks, we've seen it. It's been established. He's won the Selkie. Sean Couturier is the number one guy on this team, besides the goaltenders, who changes the way the entire game looks. You can feel his stability impact various parts of the game, including, like, line changes, which impacts everybody. So, um yeah, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how that plays out. Likewise, he truly is a stabilizing force for the Flyers. And like you said, Taryn, when you're trying to close out a game against the, Bru- the Big Bad Bruins with that top line, um, a guy like Sean Couturier is good to have. And he was missing for all four matchups. And in three of those four games, the Flyers had a third-period lead. Um, so I-, I think they deep down think they're right there with Boston. And uh, Sunday, as big as the game is, in terms of the the scenics and all that fun stuff. It's a big game, too, for the Flyers. Uh, Joe Fordyce, Boston Bruins, is that the biggest team in the Flyers' way in this division? I think it is. But when you take a look at the standings, I think the problem now becomes the two teams that are ahead of the Flyers are the two teams that are recent history. They're mentally in the Flyers' heads a little bit. Islanders and Bruins. Now, I think everybody, maybe, I mean, I might have been a little bit guilty of it myself. When I saw the Flyers play the Islanders this year, I think I might have mentally checked them off and said, oh, they're not going to be a team to worry about. And next thing you know, they're ahead of the Flyers. Now, the Flyers haven't played in 11 days, but the Islanders have only played two more games than the Flyers total in the season. Now they've moved ahead of them. So I don't think, I don't think a Barry Trotz team is going to disappear. It's not going to dis- – that team is not going to disappear. Um, but I feel like in addition to the points on Sunday, the mental hurdle of being able to beat the Bruins, and I don't care if you beat them in Boston, Philly, or 3,000 miles away from both of those cities, it's a huge mental step to be able to get a win against that team no matter how it happens at this point considering you've lost the first four games. Yeah, especially, too, if they're doing it – in these circumstances where they're, you know, there's a good chance they probably are going to be a little shorthanded on Sunday as well. We don't even know who's going to be playing that game uh, in Lake Tahoe, but uh, given all they've gone through, if they can come away and, and beat Boston in that type of game. Uh, yeah. You would think they're going to be awfully confident when they're uh, back in full force and with everyone that they need. Um, yeah. And Jordan, you know, to the, what Taryn was saying about um, Couturier, I think as much of a game changer as Pasternak has been for the Bruins, I think Couturier is equal to that. He's not equal to it in terms of goal scoring, but impact on the team as a whole. Like you look at that, uh, the first couple games the Flyers played the Bruins, the Bruins look like a good team. When the 
when Pasternak came back for those second two games, they looked like a dominant team and their power play looked virtually unstoppable. And I think the Flyers, when they get Couturier back in the lineup, they're a totally different team. Yeah. Makes, the, other thing I, that's, the other thing that's like, this may just be like an, an over-analysis, but I don't, when you talk to the players at the end of the year, I, I really don't think it is. Is this Flyers team, it does, last year they felt like they were a step away. Like quite literally they were a step away from the conference finals. They, they weren't a, a Stanley Cup final caliber team. They were maybe a step away still. I mean, they played pretty poorly against the Islanders, but they still took it to a game seven. So they're there, but they're a step away. You know what I mean? And they knew that. Every player I talked to, every player I talked to in the offseason, they hate that. They hate it. They hate that narrative. They hate that that's what the record shows. They hated the way the season ended. They hate it. And the Bruins being this kind of, you know, they were one of the teams in the Boston dynasties and they were, you know, they, they're just very good every single year. They're towards the top of the league every single year in terms of record. And last year, the Flyers kind of figured them out. I, I know they lost that last game before the season went on pause, but the Flyers did kind of figure, figure the Bruins out before that pause. And you felt like, maybe this team is there. Like maybe they are good enough to compete with this caliber team. And then this season you come back, the Bruins lost Krug. They lost Chara. Like they lost big names where I think people put a question mark on them and thought, are they going to take a step back this year? And then when you still go out there and you can't solve them this year and you haven't been playing your brand of hockey, that's frustrating. And, and just being able to kind of, pop that bubble and get past it and figure them out and move on, I think mentally would be big for this team because we saw the way it, it came back to bite this team with the Islanders. They never solved the Islanders. The, yeah, they won games in overtime against the Islanders, but they never really figured them out. And like what Joe mentioned, when you look at the standings, even if you haven't played in 11 days, and those are the two teams ahead of you, and now you're the third team at the top four and only four teams make the playoffs, and I know we're like – not even close to halfway through the season, and this is what we're talking about, it's still irritating. It's irritating as a fan. Imagine how irritating it is as a player. Because yeah. guess what? It is irritating to them. If you think they don't see it and they don't care, they see everything, they care about everything, trust me, I'm sure it annoys them. If they could embarrass the Bruins on national TV, what it would do for morale and mentality would be massive. And Jordan, if you took, if you look at, at the Bruins, Taryn mentioned it about the players they lost. They lose they, they lose Tory Krug, they lo- lose Zidane Chara. These are two guys who played on their two power play units as the quarterback. Definitely Krug. I mean, he's your prototypical quarterback of a power play. They lose those two guys, but what do they do? They change the whole dynamic of the power play. They put Nick Ritchie in the top power play in the middle and he just stands in the front of the net and causes all kinds of havoc. He's given the flyers trouble. He's given everybody trouble. Nine, I think 90% of his points are on the power play this season. So it's not like they were able to adjust. They're not the same team. They have that same top line, but they do a lot of damage on the power play and their power play is totally different. So it's like they, the perception was they lost, you know, they lost a, a good amount but they kind of reconfigured it and almost covered up the fact that they lost guys like Krug and Chara. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. PointsBet released their odds for players to potentially win the Hart Trophy. The only flyer towards the top of that list, and I say towards the top, but a little bit, a little bit far from the top, uh, is Travis Konechny at plus 3,000 to win the Hart Trophy. Joe, are you surprised of all the Flyers to, to make that particular list for that particular league-wide award? Travis Konechny is the one who makes the list to potentially win the, tro- the Hart Trophy. Uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, JVR would be the most likely candidate, and I don't think if you ask Travis himself that he would think that he would be on that list. Um, you know, he, he's made no secret about how he's played in some games. I mean, obviously he was – you know, owned up to the, when he got benched and, you know, how he had been playing and things like that. So it's not like he's been silent about the way he's been playing. You know, he's played better of late, but to, to be included in the Hart Trophy conversation, um, I mean, when you look at the look at the guys on that list that have the same odds as Konechny and you see a name like Patrice Bergeron, I don't think anybody would compare their two seasons at this point and say – yeah, they're on an equal playing field, but those are the odds that are out there. Uh, Jordan, you, you have to kind of think some of this is probably points by giving Travis Konechny the benefit of the doubt from the way he performed last season during the regular season. He was the Flyers' alone all-star last season, really had a breakout year, particularly offensively. Uh, this year, a, a little bit, we say a sluggish start, he had some big production games early, but he's really slowed down a bit as of late. Uh, do you think you see Travis of last year potentially coming back as this team hopefully settles in after, you know, COVID issues and, you know, kind of off to a uh, back and forth start to the season, should we say? I do, Taryn. And uh, when he was benched, uh, I think we made too much of that. I, I thought, Obviously, it's notable. Uh, you're, you're all-star from last year, and your leading point scorer and, and goal scorer being benched early in the season is worth all the headlines. But um, I think at the end of the day, I think he's – like, there's nothing wrong with Travis Konechny. He's going to be fine. He, uh, he was a point-per-game guy at that point when he was benched. So he wasn't, like, off to a bad start production-wise. Uh, entering uh, Thursday's game, he has eight points in 12 games. And, yeah, I think points bet is just saying, hey, if there's one flyer that we feel is going to have the best case for the heart, uh, it's Travis Konechny. They're young, all-star from last season, the guy that did it all for them uh, from a production standpoint. Uh, maybe they feel JVR is eventually going to kind of taper off of this uh, tortoise stretch he's on. So Travis Konechny might be their best bet. He's a young guy that's going to put up points. He's probably only getting better. Um, I don't worry about Travis Konechny. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, and I think he'll, he'll return to form and, and be right there uh, among the top teams uh, forwards, for sure. 
It's kind of interesting since the divisions have been realigned in this year to minimize risk um, and exposure to COVID, you kind of get a little bit insular within your own division. We talk about it within the East all the time, but when you look at the top of that, of the Hart Trophy winner odds, right at the top is Connor McDavid, a plus 140. And behind him, Austin Matthews is a plus 650. Leon Dreisaitl after that at plus 900. That's a lot of power coming out of that Northern Canadian division, guys. You think Connor McDavid is that far ahead of the field in reality? Uh, Taryn, I would say he absolutely is. Um, you're almost shocked if you come across an Edmonton score and you don't see him involved in at least two of their goals every single night, whether it be assists or actually scoring them himself. And as far as that division, uh, if you look at the teams, I mean, Toronto, albeit they, they blew a 5-1 lead to Ottawa the other night, but, you know, they, they, they've been playing – high-flying hockey. They score a lot. Montreal, I think, has exceeded everyone's expectations, although most would say around the league they had the best offseason. So I, I think other than Vancouver, I don't think there's any teams. Vancouver and Ottawa are pretty much the two teams. Maybe you can count out, but I mean... I was say, I, Ottawa I was, looks rough on any given night, and then they'll like beat Montreal or they'll beat Toronto, and you're like... Okay, Chuck, like, thank you for showing up, I guess, tonight and ruining everybody's odds as they're looking at the points book for games and parlays and stuff. But, yeah, it is wild. Uh, Jordan, are you surprised? Uh, well, I wouldn't say are you surprised, but Austin Matthews up there behind uh, Connor McDavid, there's a little separation in the odds there. But it seems – it's hard to say Austin Matthews is having a breakout year, but it seems like he's kind of having a breakout year. <laughs> Yeah, and to see that he's kind of in the company of Connor McDavid is is saying something. I think Austin Matthews was pretty good from a production standpoint last season, but uh, he's taking his game to another level this year. And if you're ever in the range or ballpark of Connor McDavid, just given what he does um, <laughs> from a point scoring standpoint, uh, you're in good company. So um, I'm not super surprised, but uh, that just tells you how good of a start Austin Matthews is off to. Uh, because those guys in Edmonton, Dreisaitl and McDavid, are going to score um, like none other. So, uh, if, yeah, if you're in that range, good for Austin Matthews, and it tells you how well the Maple Leafs are playing uh, this season. If only the Oilers could get a, a bit of a goaltending situation figured out, man. They seem like they would be absolutely unstoppable. All right, well, you can go check out the odds for the Hart Trophy winners over at pointsbet.com. As we mentioned, Travis Konechny currently – plus 3,000 on that list. So if you're feeling like maybe TK's bound for a massive comeback this season, go ahead and check that out. If not, we mentioned a few of the top dogs in the Hart Trophy race. You can see the full list again at pointsbet.com. Your Flyers are taking it to the great outdoors. Before the puck drops, break down the historic matchup with Taryn Hatcher and Scott Hartnell on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Then head over to NBC 10 to relive the Flyers' biggest outdoor moments with hockey legend Bernie Perrant. It all leads up to an unforgettable face-off at three as your Flyers battle the Bruins outdoors at Lake Tahoe. Your game day starts at one on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Bernie! Can't wait to see what Bernie's bringing to the table on Sunday.
on Sunday. It's going to be fun, and uh, I always have fun talking with you guys, and I'm glad we got some hockey coming back. I know we missed it, and we're glad the Flyers' uh, COVID-19 situation appears to be settling. Hopefully everyone is safe. Uh, that's what's first and foremost. Uh, and then we will all enjoy hockey together. But Taryn Hatcher, thank you as always. Great chatting with you. Cannot wait to watch you on pre- and post-game live. Joe Fordyce, thank you so much as well. Cannot wait to watch your show. A special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer, and Flyers fans. As always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast, which is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.